Shannon, and welcome to Truthfully Awkward, the show where we discuss topics of the culture and filter them through the Word of God. And I am Jesse Goss, and I am joined today by my beautiful co-host, Leah Tracy. Howdy, y'all. And the topic of today is a two-part series. Today, we'll be laying out the foundation for next week's episode and kind of digging into what is going to be expected next week. And (laughs) there's so much, there's just so much information to dive into. And it's, again, a topic that Lee and I are super interested in, as well as wanting to bring to your attention, as it is also very alarming. And we are going to discuss spirits within the church. And 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets had gone out into the world. And first of all, I do not claim to know all the things or to be an expert in this area, but it is something that both Leah and I have come to notice and see within the church. We are not the only ones who see it either. There's many people who talk about this topic um, all over the place. And we'll discuss this to educate you, but want to talk about it to hopefully draw you near to God and dig into the word, you know, to be encouraged. And although there are nasty things in this world, our hope is found in Christ alone, that the Bible is here to teach us and encourage us to use our discernment and to seek to honor God in everything we do. With that being said, what do you have for us, Leah? So first off, I want to say that Jesse and I are both Christians, as I'm sure you guys already know. <laughs> we believe that the Bible is our highest authority on what to... <laughs> What's up? Me? No, I was just laughing because yeah. you're like, yes, I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so we believe that the Bible is our highest authority on what to believe to be true and right. We both think it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse. We believe that the Bible is our plumb line. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. So when we examine everything by, well, it's simple, the Bible. Jesse quoted 1 John 4.1, and we use this first often on here for a reason. We test the spirits by what the Bible says and how the Bible says they manifest and tell us what the fruits of the spirit are. We have to look at what the Bible says in order to see from where they come. Mm-hmm. So Acts 17, 11 says, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. We examine the scriptures and hold things up to what it says if we believe what the Bible is inerrant. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so many people do not believe it's inerrant. Yeah. Um, Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." And yes, and we are talking about believers here. If you are a believer, you relate to this. And we know that Jesus is our savior and that God's word is inerrant, but there's a lot of what Leah calls, you know, air quotes, other teachings that have been spreading through the church, like progressive Christianity that Leah and I know about because we have people we love believing that the word of God is not inerrant, which will probably be a different podcast because we're not talking about that today. 
but there's other teachings like what Leah was saying, because, you know, there's a lot, there's people that we love believing that the word of God is not inerrant and that we shouldn't look at it as God's word. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Leah, I don't know, like if you have people that you know, but I know several people who believe like, well, the Bible, you know, it's kind of like how you interpret it. And I'm like, Ooh. but second Timothy three, 16 through 17, you know, that you just quoted, how beautiful is that? It's confirmation that we don't have to have all the extra stuff and that God is sufficient. Like God's word is enough. Anyway. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely. I mean, I have people that I absolutely love that they say that the Bible is flawed and it was written by man. And, you know, you can trust it about as much as what people say. Yeah. And that's not what we just read. You know, we just read that it's God breathed. It's inspired by out. him. <laughs> yeah. Well, or they change it. You know, they yeah. say, of course, man put that in there. Yeah. We can look at it as God's word because we know it's God's word. Mm -hmm. It's not flawed. To say that it is would make it not correct. I mean, we're going to end up with not knowing who Jesus is, not knowing who God is, not knowing what salvation is if we look at it like that. Well, even the character of God, like not knowing the character of God, like it just causes so much more misinterpretation of the whole Bible. Like it just... It's a funnel. It's a rabbit hole. Go down it. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you. (laughs) Well, when you look at it as flawed, it sets it up for just as inspired as the prophetic word someone gave that was wrong Mm -hmm. or the thing that you said off the top of your head, but said you thought it was from God. A lot of these people are taught that they think God's thoughts after him because they have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. I really like the way that the ESV words that verse. It gives us a more full view of the meaning. Like, I love that it says God breathed, you know, Mm -hmm. we are to examine everything, test every spirit and hold it up to the word of God. When we look at a spirit, we see how it manifests. We look at the Bible to see what it says about the different types of manifestations. What we say here is in direct relation to what the Bible says about the topic. That's what we're going by. We're going to put all our resources in the description. So hopefully you will go look at it and see for yourself. I understand that like a lot of this stuff is going to sound super harsh, but please, if you have an issue, feel free to ask us questions on our Facebook page, message us, email us, and most importantly, look into it yourself. Mm -hmm. We'll do our best to add resources so you can dive in, but you're going to have to um, look into it to understand what we're talking about, I think. Yeah. Just know that everything that is said, we're saying a biblical view and our best from our best understanding with the Bible. Mm-hmm. If God's our greatest authority, his scripture gives us a view of how he wants to see us to see him and interact with him in the world. This isn't about feelings or experience so much as trusting the word of God and what he says about it. Though feelings are important, they aren't our guide and mm-hmm. experience is just an experience. The word of God helps us understand the experience better. I pray that if I'm wrong in any of my understandings, that the Lord will correct me. And I pray that often. I just want to speak rightly and show the context of what is being said and how it can be applied. 
Yeah, I'm humble as well, because like I said, I know that I don't know everything. I love everyone enough to speak up when something is off or if we have discussed things and have seen something serious that could harm others, you know, if we see that happening. And I pray that God gives us, you know, all of us discernment and wisdom to talk about the hard things and that those who are supposed to receive it will, and that those who may get upset will understand our hearts are not in a place of judgment, even though never mind, this isn't about judgment, but, <laughs> but of conviction, you know, like we're convicted to call these things out and to talk about them. And we're told to do so in God's word. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're supposed to warn others when we see God's word being misused or abused. Mm -hmm. I don't personally feel like I can convict anyone of anything. I can, however, speak as I feel necessary or appropriate. And pray that the Holy Spirit works through me in my words. Yeah. I really want God to filter my speech so people hear the thing that they need to hear and nothing else. I've been told quite a few times not to put God in a box, and I never want to do that. God can do anything he pleases anytime. I will, however, expect him to manifest and have fruit according to the way that he has presented himself. Since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I can look at the book he gave us for insight into what to expect. I mean, if all scripture is God-breathed and there for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness so we can be equipped, then this is what our standard is according to God. He kind of put himself in a box called the Bible. <laughs> I love that. Like whenever I hear that term, don't put God in a box, I hear don't put accountability on my experiences. Ouch, yes. I mean, it's, I think we as believers need to raise the bar, so to speak, on how we view God and his word. Sometimes it isn't easy when the Holy Spirit shows us something in his word and convicts us. And I know when I used to do yoga, the Holy Spirit convicted me so hard about it while I was re reading one of Marsha Montenegro's articles on yoga. It was one of those moments when you get dizzy and you feel like your stomach is in your throat. Like it was kind of like one of those moments where I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I just, I, cause you know, I always you know, I think I talked about this a lot in our yoga, like our podcast on yoga. Um, but, but I'm just so thankful for God's graciousness to point me in the right direction, you know, back to his word and seeking him, not experiences. It's just so important. Dude, I totally remember when both of us wanted desperately to speak in tongues and heal and prophesy and all that. Yes. Mumbo jumbo, not like it's mumbo jumbo, but yeah. You know, in their context, it totally is. Yeah. We were both wanting an experience so bad. I remember long talks with God laying in my bed, totally still asking him, why am I not good enough to experience you like others do? It all inevitably led me to his word and the true experience. I mean, you can't get more true than experiencing God through his word. Absolutely. The experience of being led by the spirit in truth through the word of God. I have to say it was way better than crying to a Bethel song and feeling <laughs> that swell as I listened to him talk about themselves. It took it off of what I want and refocused me on the real important thing, what God wants. You know, who is he? How does he work? So this episode originally, we were going to title Kundalini in the Church. But the more we were researched, the more we realized that it was more appropriate to title it spirits in the church. 
And as we go, I kind of think you'll, you know, possibly see why. Yeah. So instead of starting off by defining Kundalini, (laughs) I think we need to start off not by defining Kundalini, but first by defining chakras. This may seem like a rabbit trail, but it really isn't. Mm -mm. You'll see why as we go. Chakras are various focal points used in a variety of ancient meditation practices collectively denominated as tantra as or the esoteric or inner traditions of hinduism Mm -hmm. you know the pictures of the different colored spots on a meditating person this is what we're talking about yeah the concept is found in the early traditions of hinduism beliefs differ from the indian religions with many buddhist texts can consistently mentioning five chakras while hindu sources offer six or even seven which is really interesting to me because i think the buddhism stemmed from hinduism if i'm not mistaken yeah i, I don't know. i feel like it kind of has but it's all the same deception early sanskrit texts speak of them both as meditative vis- visualizations combining flowers and mantras and as physical entities in the body Within kundalini yoga, the techniques of breath exercises, which are meant to help you relax, to open up and help energy flow, visualizations are meant to help empty your mind, to help you see you don't have limitations, mudras, which are said to be sacred hand and body symbols, and postures as a means to channel the flow of vital life force energy, known as Praha. The word literally in Sanskrit means gesture, mark, or seal. Mm. That is according to yogapedia.com. It's kind of creepy when you think about these postures being known as a seal or a mark. I mean, that's. Well, aren't we supposed to be. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's. In the Bible, man. (laughs) And isn't it kind of funny that that is in there? I mean, you can't the thing is you can't ignore these things like this is what it actually says about itself this isn't a christian review website like well i hate yoga like christiansagainstyoga.com it's actually like what yogapedia.com this is what yogis are saying about themselves and like what yoga is so you can't say that we're here attacking yep. yoga and your precious yoga practice um <laughs> Because I know that people get super offended because like I said, we have to raise the bar. We have to try harder instead of just letting this stuff go. And like that right there just struck a chord with me because I knew we we're going to talk about this, but with like, when I heard Leah talking about it, I'm like, we have to care about this stuff. I mean, it's just, we're supposed to be sealed by God. Like we are sealed. We are God's people. We're his children. And so when you see something that is totally a counterfeit like that, especially by them, them themselves saying that, I mean, it's very eye-opening. They're like, oh, but the only way we know that is if we know God's word to be able to catch things like that. And that's why we should be in the word. So when we see things like that, it's like, oh, well, that's not good because the Bible says that we're sealed by God as his children in the book of life, right? Isn't that the scripture? I'll have to find it. But continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to think about if if as a Christian, you go to a place and um, you go to exercise or whatnot, and 
everything around you is, you know, different gods and goddesses depictions, and they have all kinds of stuff like that in there. Um, I don't know why you would want to keep partaking in that for one. And for two, why wouldn't you look deeper into this thing that you're doing? Yeah. You know, it totally gives me the heebie-jeebies. So Ephesians 4, there's a whole bunch of them. You can find it. But the one Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then Ephesians 1.13 to 14 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to praise of his glory. So the Bible, there's a lot more, but the Bible talks about being sealed by the Holy Spirit, you know, the promised Holy Spirit. So. Well, I mean, you know, we're also, it says, you know, in the, in the end times, they talk about um, being sealed with the mark of the beast. Yes. You know, and it's like, uh, there's like, okay, behind that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think it's, well, and I don't think it's something, I'm not saying that yoga is the mark of the beast. Don't, no, don't no. email me, <laughs> <laughs> don't but, email um, me me. you know, the verbiage there, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, the verbiage, I mean, to be sealed, we want to be sealed to the Lord. We don't want to be sealed to some Hindu God, you know, that, that's the point of what I'm saying. Well, and the point of what I'm saying too, is like the fact that so, that's actually there and says to seal yeah you know the enemy comes in disguise like it's you know the enemy knows how to twist things so that's what a lot of like new agers and stuff do is it's the counterfeit but i'm sorry i'll let you continue so yogapedia explains bandha and i'm sure i'm going to get lots of these words wrong so just bear with me bandha is practicing uh practicing bandha includes it Practicing Bonta involves concentrated muscular contractions. Thank you. I got that one. <laughs> the four Bantas are movements done to awaken the individual's Kundalini power. Kriyas and mantras are focused on manipulating the flow of subtle energy through the chakras. They're concentrated muscular contractions. And when you're reading about them, they oftentimes are uncontrolled, like the Kriyas or some of the things that we see in like the charismatic movement you know so like jerking or spasms just another way to see that each posture in yoga is intentional and focused on allowing an energy force to flow through you like creepy it is super creepy and to remind everyone we are not against stretching i also don't want to get emails about you don't like people to stretch okay health is important but for the believer, <laughs> yoga is not a way to do so. And there's actually, I was going to probably post something on our page about studies that are being done that yoga actually for children, I was watching this thing because they're trying to get that into the public schools. Um, it is in public schools. It's in the schools. It is already in the schools and how it's actually harmful for children to do yoga, not only spiritually, but physically, and how people who have back problems when they're doing yoga improperly, how it actually injures you more. There's all kinds of things, but you can listen to our yoga episode if you wanna know our position on yoga. I think at this point, if you've listened this far, you know what our position is, 
but you cannot separate the spirituality from yoga. Yoga is, in fact, at its core, a spiritual practice, a Hindu spiritual practice. So whether you know about it or not, sitting in a yoga class, you are still opening yourself up to stuff. And again, not stretching, but yoga, like practicing yoga, going to yoga classes, doing yoga, like um, vinyasas at home, doing all of that is still opening yourself up. That is the very purpose of yoga is to open yourself up for your Kundalini, all this other awakening stuff. It's all, it's not stretching though. I just wanted to like verify or whatever, like to confirm (laughs) that we are totally all for stretching, but we are not for believers practicing in yoga. Well, yeah. And the things you're opening yourself up to is demonizing. Yeah. You know, that's not always possession. It can be oppression also. Oh, absolutely. Which can look like a lot of different things. I mean, you know, they will disguise themselves as wonderful and light and good things. And it may feel good at first, but it could possibly take you away from the Lord eventually, you know? Well, and they were saying also for these kids, and I'll share, I think I'll put it in the references, but I'll probably also share it on our page. But they were saying that these kids that were doing yoga in school had behavioral problems. Um, they were having all kinds of side effects, not just physically, but they, some kids were getting physically injured, but then also just kids' attitudes, like banging their head against the wall in some cases, literally. So it was just absolutely nuts. Uh, Back to chakras. Yeah. The modern Western chakra system arose from multiple sources, starting in the 1880s, followed by Sir John Woodruff's 1919 book, The Serpent Power, Mm -hmm. and Charles W. W. lead beaters 1927 book the chakras which introduced the seven rainbow colors for the chakras psychological and other attributes and a wide range of supposed correspondences with other systems such as alchemy astrology gemstones uh, homeopathy how do you say that uh kabbalah and tarot were added later which you know, we might talk about some of those in later podcasts because that's all problems that are coming into the church right now. So there's a dispute as to how many chakras there are in different religious backgrounds. Some say there are four and some say up to seven. Um, Nadi is like a tube or a pipe. It's a term for the channels through which in traditional Indian medicine and spiritual knowledge, the energies such as prana of the physical body the subtle body and the casual body are said to flow within the philosophical framework. The nadis are said to connect at special points of intensity, which are the chakras. The three principal nadis run from the base of the spine to the head. Ultimately, the goal is to unblock these nadis to bring liberation. So the nadi is like a pipeline from chakra to chakra for energy to flow through. I keep saying prana and have to say its definition says it originates from Atman. It means to breathe forth 
it says it refers to the idea that vital or life force energy is always dynamic or constantly changing and moving. Mm. It says it flows in and out of the body through breath and performing asanas can help it flow more freely. Mm. Atman is said to be your true self, the divine self within, but somehow it's also an external energy with they, which they call Brahman or the ultimate energy source. That is depending on, um, I think that's more like a new agey term, but I, yeah. it's just different religious philosophy that you look into. Yeah. And like, if you think about it, this is so common in our culture. Like, even if people don't realize it, they are idolizing themselves as gods. So like, if you think about it, you take somebody who's not a believer, even sometimes they are believers, the culture, whether they follow this stuff or not, it's kind of, I guess, the attitude that the culture has. So it's been shocking looking into all of this because it all connects with, like I said, the mood of the culture and that you are enough and all of these, you know, all of those things, it all connects to the same ideas and philosophies, whether people realize it or not, you know? And I mean, I might be wrong, but to me, it all seems to be connected to the same thing and the same deception, which is why I always say it's the same thing because it's the same counterfeit spirit especially after we, you know, just read, you know, or talked about previously, like a little earlier about being sealed, like how much of a counterfeit it all is. Like it's all different in its own way, but it's still the same count. It's just all deception. It's the counterfeit. And most of the time, those who are in the self-help industry are reading books by new agers, believers too, like are reading these books by new agers who practice all of these things. And some of them say, you know, because I mean, I was in that industry, not in the self-help industry, but I mean, I was in an industry where it was highly promoted and these new agers, you know, a lot of them claim to be believers, but they're not like absolutely are not. So, and we can go into that later, but it is also, you know, it's very telling when you find such huge similarities in the way people think within the culture and sometimes unfortunately within the church, like, which I guess is why it is a deception because people don't realize it. And when you're on the outside looking in, it's like, there's a pattern here. Like, why is the culture, like, even with, like I said, the new agers or the yogis or all these other religions that are all about yourself and like, you are God, you know, little G God. And then you look at the culture, people, who don't even claim to follow any of those teachings philosophically probably have dabbled in it, but it's like the mood of the culture is this counterfeit <laughs> that we need to not fall for that. Like we need to be very aware of all of those things. Well, you're, I mean, you're totally right there. It's Satan's fingerprint. I mean, yeah. okay. It's not literally his fingerprint, <laughs> Yeah, but it goes back to the first lies. Did God really say and you can be just like him. Yeah, It's taking God's glory for ourselves. And like my friend always says, I don't want to get to heaven and find I have some of God's glory in my pocket. I, like I that. Just totally love that. <laughs> One thing I don't want is to have any of God's glory mm -hmm. in my pocket. One thing that you'll see through this, though, is the word liberation. So moksha or liberation in Hindu practices and the new age essentially lead to liberating yourself from a false idea of self mm -hmm. and either realizing the God inside or being liberated by a God inside. Mm -hmm. When the Hindus reach true liberation, they no longer have 
to reincarnate. So in both cases, to be liberated is to have a form of God in control, either self or other. Essentially being your own savior. Ugh, yeah. Christianity isn't cohesive with this view for multiple reasons. But for one, we aren't gods. And for yeah. two, we aren't to open ourselves up for possession or use. And we can't save ourselves. Mm-hmm. We absolutely need a savior. And there's only one. And that's Jesus Christ, as the Bible has shown us who he is. You can't look to any other definition and think it's the same one. So I know that was a whole lot, not about the Kundalini, but (laughs) it totally explains more than you would think. It really does. Like I said, though, it's like it all fits together. Like you said, in liberation, you know, air quotes, liberation, counterfeit, you are your own little G God. And I think all of this is the same deception pretty much. And isn't it interesting that the new age promotes getting rid of you know, self to become little G God, that God tells us to deny ourselves and follow him. It's such a counterfeit that it's, it has doing away with the false self, but it twists it, twists it in such a way that it's like close, but no cigar. Um, (laughs) Like I can see how if our foundation isn't in scripture, how we can easily be deceived by this you know, sometimes without even realizing that's what we are doing. And I say we as in humankind, like God says to deny ourselves and follow him. And then, you know, all of the new agers, yogis, whatever are like, that's a false self and you become God. So deny your false self, but you are God. And it's like, twist it to where, oh, that sounds great. Because I think innately we want to serve God, whether we think we do or not there I mean we all want our we all want our creator so when I look at it I see oh this is the answer but it's just wrong <laughs> you know what I mean it's like making yourself yeah. into God instead of turning to the creator of the universe so deny that false self you're God you know instead of deny yourself follow me I am God you know God saying that Jesus anyway yeah well more and more in the church i mean amongst people who at one point or another i believe were solid Mm -hmm. um you hear them talk about how jesus was man and you know because you have the holy spirit in you you're just like jesus and they equate themselves like i'm talking they feel like they're equal to jesus and that's just bizarre to me yeah but It totally goes back to so many of our podcasts so far. The self-idolatry, the Richard Rohr pushing the Enneagram, yoga, it's all intertwined, just like you were saying. Uh So now let's define Kundalini. How many times can I say it without messing it up? We'll see. (laughs) Kundalini in Hinduism means coiled snake. This is a form of divine feminine energy or Shakti believed to be located at the base of the spine in the Muladhara. It's believed to be a force or power associated with the divine feminine or the formless aspect of the goddess. I've heard like two goddesses. So Mm -hmm. this energy in the body, when cultivated and awakened through tantric practice, such as movements and positions or breathing and meditation, is believed to lead to spiritual liberation. Kundalini is associated with Parvati or Adi Parakshati, 
the supreme being in Shaktism and with multiple goddesses. The term, along with practices associated with it, was adopted into Hatha Yoga, which is done here in the United States in the ninth century. It has since then been adopted into many forms of Hinduism, as well as modern spirituality and new age thought. And I would say new age and new thought because those can be one and they can also be this different, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. So Kundalini awakenings are said to occur by a variety of methods. Many systems of yoga focus on awakening Kundalini through meditation, pranayama breathing, the practice of asana and chanting of mantras. I have to say there's a huge rise in chanting in mantras in the church these days. Absolutely. People like Heidi Baker, among others, who say the same words over and over and over again. And all these words you are to focus on and meditate on, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, even the music is, you know, meditative music. Mm-hmm. Kundalini yoga is one form of yoga. It derives its name from its focus upon the awakening of kundalini energy through regular practice of mantra, tantra, yantra, asanas. Yes, I keep saying asanas like yoga positions mm-hmm. or meditation. The kundalini experience is frequently reported to be a distinct feeling of electric current running along the spine. Remember that. Yeah. And then I'm just going to interject because Heidi Baker, I just wanted to say, is so stinking creepy. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it is so creepy. Not even kidding. And I hadn't watched anything by her in a while, but doing research for this episode, I went back and had forgotten how creepy her services are. And I know we will get into this more later, but friends, please watch out for her. Like, well, and we have sources, so you should probably check. There's a lot of sources in there. Yeah. But I totally agree with you. Her and her husband, Roland, are absolutely to be avoided. And, you know, when I watch them, all I can think of is they're demonic because, I mean, if you watch them, you would see. Um, it is absolutely insane, but I want you to remember the part that talks about the feeling of electric current running through you. And that's going to come up later. It can also be awakened through the initiation of Shaktipat, which is the transfer of spiritual energy from guru to student, like the laying on of hands Yes, or the gesturing towards them. Sometimes they don't even have to touch them. Yeah. That part makes me think of all those pastors, teachers, preachers, so-called apostles and prophets laying hands on someone and they fall down and start shaking or laughing or like Benny Hinn waving his coat at people and the whole crowd falls down. And it's not just them. I mean, there's there's a lot Randy Clark. There's all kinds of people who do that same stuff. Yeah, Um, there are tons of videos out there of other cultures that are manifesting in the same way. And it's absolutely frightening because they are not calling on the name of the Lord. No. And it's, it is, it can't be the same thing. Yeah. And like, especially when you look at the similarities and how sometimes it's not even similar, but identical, like it's the same exact thing, the same movement, the same jerking around the same falling over the same exact thing. Yeah. And it's not all like, it doesn't all look painful and it's not all them screaming mm-hmm. some of them they're just laughing 
and yeah. it's just uh not godly yeah. there's not controlled there's no uh self-control there you yeah. know so yogapedia says in order to safely experience kundalini awakening the yogi must open the channels of the subtle body through which kundalini will travel if the person in whom kundalini awakens is not prepared the power of this energy can cause inner chaos and confusion in addition to careful yogic practice kundalini awakening is believed to occur as the result of trauma drug use prolonged stress or near-death experiences among others so this was the part that was super weird i watched some videos by those who say they have experienced the kundalini awakening and they have so many issues after the fact yeah it's totally true mm -hmm. i mean well demonic infiltration is going to leave a mark you oh, know yeah. mm -hmm. when prepared for the kundalini awakening the yogi experiences a change in consciousness that leads to health, wellness, and a feeling of bliss and oneness with the universe, which I had to say, when prepared for the Kundalini awakening, how do you know you're prepared? Exactly. You there's know, no, they, they say they, there's a lot of videos things. out there that talks about like, don't do it if you're not ready. I, I got the Kundalini and I wasn't ready. And now I'm like suffering super hard and yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, then there's yogis who are talking about how dangerous it is and how they did all the things and how you just have to be careful. You know, mm -hmm. there's, even the people who say good things about it also say things that are like, well, wow, that's scary. <laughs> I don't want to have to do anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it says that there's a feeling of bliss and oneness with the universe, a state known as Samadhi, Samadhi, the eighth and final limb in the eightfold path of yoga. What? I know people who have happily allowed what they say are gods or goddesses to possess and use them. Mm -hmm. And they all have a similar thing in common. That is insanity to some degree, depression, anxiety. But they also have these like crazy highs, like euphoric highs. It's mm -hmm. totally bizarre. So like when I was 14, I watched a demon manifest in someone. I know that, that is like absolutely bizarre to hear, but that's the only thing that I could possibly equate it to. It's somebody I totally know really well and mm -hmm. his eyes changed colors. His voice changed. He laughed and growled like almost at the same time when he spoke. And he said his name was something other than what it was. Ugh. And I totally freaked out. Yeah, I knew it was de demonic and it scared the heebie-jeebies out of me. Mm -hmm. So I ran and after I ran, because I was scared, he then proceeded to destroy stuff. Like he just destroyed everything around him. And later it was like as if nothing had happened to that person. Like it was totally nuts. Yeah. It was as if that never happened. Demons are real and they can really cause problems. Mm -hmm. This is a person who professed to be a Christian. Yeah. They were a professing Christian who also says, I have my demons. Yeah. Which, you know, those two things don't go together. They don't. So it was really confusing to my little 14 year old brain. Well, yeah. And I mean, I haven't seen it, anything like that, but I have. 
I mean, I have kind of to a certain extent, like when I was in college, I was with some friends and I saw people's eyes change. And then I felt like demonic oppression because I was the Christian who had convictions. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it, but I mean, I remember, I don't know if it was God showing me or if it was like the manifestation of something, if that makes sense. But I remember watching their eyes change black and it really freaked me out. I mean, I just, I remember seeing something like that and I was just like, what? And that was when I was like 19. So, but like I was saying, whenever they experience it, when they aren't ready, like what we're talking about, they say they have no control over it and they just go into a state without being able to control it. So they say, okay, well, I just let it do its thing. And I have to like freeze up and they sit there and let it be until it passes. And it's terrifying. And I was like, what in the world? Like, and they they think it's a good thing. Like, this is what their goal is. There's Christians that have the same sounding stories. You know, they talk about when they get um, hit with the Holy Spirit or hit with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, They talk about the absolute loss of control and um, swimming on the floor like a fish. Mm. I don't know if you saw that one, but that was absolutely bizarre. That was a Heidi Baker video, and she was talking about. uh, She was talking about her husband had to carry her for like four days because she couldn't control herself. Like self control is a fruit of the spirit. So, there's yeah. So is love, joy, peace. You know, I mean, gentleness. Gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Like you listen to these accounts, and gentleness is not in there. No. And nowhere in the Bible did the apostles and the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. Did anyone bark like dogs or swim like fish or yeah. get drunk in the spirit? So that's it's nowhere totally in the crazy. Bible. It's demonic and really sad. Well, if, if the Kundalini awakening is believed to occur as a result of bad stuff, that mm-hmm. kind of says something right there, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, especially when you look at the side effects or like kriyas from having an awakening, the the kriyas are said to be releases of kundalini energy. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting in the videos of people after having their awakening, it looks just like so many hyper charismatic churches out there. Yeah. Where, you know, people making the weird noises, like you were saying, acting drunk, twitching, writhing on the floor, laughing nonstop. When someone's head is shaking uncontrollably or like the random jerks that look exactly like the Hindu videos. I I don't know if you've watched those ones, but it's very interesting to see them side by side. It is. And it's why if God wanted to speak through someone, why would he make their head violently jerk almost off their neck for them to talk? Like it looks so there's a video in the resources, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like when they're violently shaking their heads and everyone's like, praise G it's so icky. Like, it's just weird. Like, you know, you're to look at it and you're like, that is not God. Like, because yeah, it's creepy. It's freaky looking. It's, there's something not right with that. And it's because there's no self-control and then there's a reason because of the fruit of the spirit. And it, it's crazy because such a simple YouTube or Google search 
comparison goes a long way with this. Like, and we have, like what Leah said, a video, like we have a lot of resources for this one, but I mean, we always do, but <laughs> if you look in the resources, you'll be able to see what we're talking about. I tried to put them all in the resources, but it, I can just tell you, I just did my best. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a lot out there. Like I said, a simple Google there's search. There's a lot, a lot simple Google search, YouTube it. I mean, you'll see the similarities pretty quickly. Yep. So some light symptoms of an awakening are said to be a spiritual connection with the divine bathed in bliss and boundless love. Periods of oneness where your compassion for humanity increases, tapping into extrasensory abilities or developing extraordinary gifts, speaking in tongues, prophetic abilities, Pleasurable sensations pulsate through your body. You're inspired to make big life-altering decisions. Synchronicity or meaningful, miraculous coincidences. You have profound insights into your behavior and past experiences. Your empathic abilities strengthen and you can feel everything at a profound level. You keep receiving big cosmic downloads of information. And the downloads of information is something that we see people coming in the Christian church. People like Sarah Young, the writer of Jesus Calling, says that she would sit and wait for Jesus to tell her what to say and then write it, which is really interesting because she's revised them so many times. So she's literally revising what she says Jesus told her to write. And then we have um, Brian Simmons, the writer of the Passion Translation. And yes, I said the writer because if you look into it, it's really bad and it's not actually a translation, but we will talk more about him probably in the next episode. Air quotes, translation. Yeah. <laughs> so there are what they call dark symptoms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was giving her gestures. <laughs> <laughs> so there are what they call dark symptoms too experiencing intense involuntary shaking of the body that can be alarming we see that in the hyper charismatic movement mm -hmm. as well as the nar i mean we we're just talking about that another is your nervous system becomes hypersensitive to external stressors light tv violence loud noises and shuts down or craves total solitude and i mean look at our people around us and how much they want solitude um, you struggle to sleep properly you experience sudden and shocking movements of, of ego death which they say is like you feeling yourself dying like you never were oh. you have visual disturbances like hallucinations you experience intense heat vibrations or electricity surge through your body like I was saying earlier these sound strikingly similar to Todd White talking about his encounter with the Holy Spirit or Heidi Baker or Bill Johnson, Chris Felaton, so many others talking about their experiences with what they call Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You'll hear so much more about all of the experiences in the next episode. Yeah. It feels like you're having a bad drug trip while sober. That's got to be scary. And that's what you it struggle looks to like. distinguish what is real. Oh, it totally does. You struggle to distinguish what is real from 
imagined, which psychosis. Mm -hmm. You feel like you are going crazy, feeling shattered or fragmented, dreaming of snakes or seeing snakes everywhere, feeling raw and extremely vulnerable like a newborn child, manic and exuberant energy or chronic fatigue, sometimes alternating. To me, that sounds an awful like uh, an awful lot like manic depression or bipolar disorder. Yeah, I was not saying I, I'm not saying that that's the cause in every case, but you know, I wonder how many are misdiagnosed. Yeah, how many people are just being demonized? Yeah, you know? how many are told they have a mental illness when in fact it's just demonizing? Mm-hmm. So, lucid dreams is another symptom. Seeing lights and hearing music that isn't there again, hallucinations tapping into your past life experiences, entering spontaneous poses or yogic breathing. Another thing we see in some churches today, developing a savior complex, feeling intense grief for the planet and all suffering, suffering beings, out-of-body experiences, panic attacks and feelings of terror, developing strange, undiagnosable physical symptoms that may manifest as autoimmune digestive issues nausea etc when you look into this stuff even the gurus say it's dangerous i mean would want this like why that would be a good thing that is a lot of symptoms of a quote unquote kundalini awakening sounds like demonic possession to me because none of those things yeah absolutely yeah but I agree that it's just it is super dangerous (laughs) I mean obviously and I don't know if they are misdiagnosed but what I have noticed is this addiction with experiences that most of people like Todd White have Um, I just watched a video where Todd White was you know everyone was talking about him repenting and then this one guy I was watching a video because he's been attacking the the documentary American Gospel and he came out and he was attacking it again after he apparently repented and he was talking about experiences a lot and I was just like oh here we go you know like it's just not a true repentance which is really sad I don't know Todd White's heart but you know you look at the fruits what they say what they do and you can tell if somebody has truly repented or not. And like, if he's a public figure and a teacher, like he needs to openly repent for things that he's done and he won't. So, well, he repented, but then he went back on it and he doubled down and then he got angry. Yeah. And he mad, yeah. said all the things that he was saying before. Uh-huh. So, yeah. and he was saying that, um, you know, he said, you know, how they always bring up like the religious spirit, the religious spirit and how like, and he was saying like, well, if you wanted to see me in hell and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like the reason people are trying to help, they're trying to help him because they love him and they don't want him to, you know what I mean? Because false teachers, man, they are, I mean, it's a really serious offense. Like that's something that I mean, you just should not do it, <laughs> but they just see that God is like the, to them, they are Christ. That's what they do. But like, if you think about it, like Heidi Baker's entire, you know, air quotes, I say it all the time. Cause I want, you to know, it's not really a sermon, but her sermon is her 
like her whole sermons, you know, quote sermon is her laying on the floor, quote, drunk in the spirit and chanting Shaka Baba or whatever she says. That's Shaka Baba all over and over again are talking about flowing something or other things repeatedly like flowing water flowing water and you're like what the heck is she doing like that is weird you know it's like that is not the holy spirit and she's like flinching and jerking it's like what the heck is going on here um saying impartations while she's touching people yes. and they fall down and start screaming yeah and you know what you're talking pain. about yeah or it's Todd White laughing and crying on his knees, repeated, repeating something over and over again, or chanting and just overly emotional. And I mean, you know, the things that got, got me with Todd White was his, was his perceived love of the Lord. Um, there are many times I have been moved by God's love for me. Like there are so many times that I have felt God's present and had absolute peace, you know, like having peace in the Lord and knowing God is with me. But what I didn't know at the time when I was following Todd White, because he's the main one that I used to follow. And it breaks my heart to see now, like, I don't know. But what I didn't know at the time was about these fire tunnels that are found nowhere in scripture. Fire usually means judgment, you know, in the Old Testament. And even in the end times, God judged with water. But not then when Jesus comes again, it's to be judgment by fire. And they have, you know, they have this impartation and flopping on the ground, like you were just talking about and the barking like dogs and the writhing in pain, rolling on the floor, like all the things that you mentioned about a Kundalini awakening, you know, quote, Kundalini awakening. And it's just very disturbing. And I don't think we should take it lightly. It's very sad. Like we should care about these people enough to talk about it. Like I said, raising the bar and saying, that's not right. Like where in the, where in the Bible, we need to pray for him. Yes. Like my heart goes out to these people who just so deeply desire to have these, you know, quote encounters with God when it's like, dude, you are overcomplicating it. Open your Bible and have a relationship with God. You don't have to have all these experiences to be saved. You don't have to, it doesn't take you to the higher level, you know, like they're always talking about how it's just like, read my book, you know, like I was reading a blog post about fire tunnels um, recently. And the author was talking about how walking through a fire tunnel doesn't glorify Christ because it brings attention back on, you know, me or you, because everyone is prophesying great things over you about how loved you are and how awesome you are. And God's going to call you to this ministry. And, you know, it leads to pride more than anything. And many claim to have been, you know, quote, awoken, when walking through these tunnels and there's great care we should take when there is anything to do with, you know, the laying on of hands, but there's a lot of people too. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Lindsay Davis said that she went through fire tunnels and nothing ever happened to her. And there's people who went through fire tunnels at Todd White's conferences and nothing happened to them. And they get frustrated with them because they weren't flopping on the floor. Like they lay their hands well, on them. If you and watch happened. them. You watch it and some people go through it and they start shaking or they fall over and then other people just walk through it. And a lot of them, the look on their face is like, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's, I don't know what's going on around me and I don't know why I'm not getting whatever they have, you know? But I mean, first I have to say emotions are wonderful yes. and I get emotional with God. 
Yeah, me he too. He has brought me to my knees in the sense of being so overwhelmed by how amazing he is that I literally get on my face and pray. Mm-hmm. You know, I get overwhelmed by his love and grace and I weep sometimes. I mean, he's just amazing. He's so good. But I have never been out of control or slain in the spirit. You know, I've never shaken uncontrollably except when I have a panic attack, which when I have panic attacks, I do shake uncontrollably. And that has nothing to do with God. He's not doing that to me. (laughs) Um, I was always tripped out by how much it looks like Todd White loves Jesus when I'd watch him. And that was one of the things that I really liked about him Yeah, was he just always seemed to be so in love with Jesus, but then it always came back to him, Yeah, you know? And I think, you know, maybe he does like Clint, you know, he says he's sinless. I haven't sinned since I received Christ. Like he says that every time. Experiences. It's always like what, what he has experienced or what God has done in his life. And I mean, while our testimony can be used and can be important, that's not our focal point. Our focal point needs to be the cross. Mm -hmm. You know, we are wretched sinners. We are saved by a perfect sinless God who came and lived and died for our sins to appease the wrath of God's fury. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he, that's what our focus needs to be on, not experience. Yes. But, um, I really do think that Todd White might love Jesus, just Mm -hmm. the one that he made up in his head or was told about, you know, I don't, he doesn't talk about the same Jesus as the Bible. He doesn't talk about Jesus. It's like a, a, one of those nicer than Jesus, Jesus if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the Bible, uh, a la carte, you know, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I don't want any of this thing over here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just don't, I don't know what to say about it. I can't say he's saved. I can't say he's yeah. not saved. I just know that what he says is completely unbiblical. And I pray that he learns real truth and the real Jesus and that he truly repents and stays repentant. Yes. Because it would be amazing. It was amazing if he came to the Lord and like started preaching truth, man, just I like Costi Hinn did. And he would do such an amazing job like if he did because you know if he has that love for the lord like if he has you know and it's put in the right place you know he could be a paul washer yep he would be you know he would be absolutely yeah so i just pray for him man yes um i also say that i I agree that it's super important to be careful who lays hand on hands on you, mm-hmm. not because I'm in fear of being possessed, yeah, but because you don't know what their intentions are, though I'm not sure why there isn't more laying on of hands in solid churches, because yeah. that is in the New Testament, and I'm not sure, I don't know, yeah, I think some people think it might be weird or something, but I Maybe. think okay. that it is important, you know. I've had my pastor lay hands on me and pray over me for healing. And, um, he does, I mean, he prayed over you before you guys left and mm-hmm. he puts hands on when he prays. Yeah, he does. I think this important, but you have to be careful about, um, 
you know, if I had somebody saying impartation over and over and going to touch me, I'd be like, eh, get your hands away yeah, from don't me. Touch you know? me. I don't want it. <laughs> it's All just... this to say, yeah, there's there's a real threat out there. You yes. know, it's not a seen threat. At least the threat is not seen, but the effects are all too real. Like yeah. real spirits that can wreak havoc on humans, real forces that can look good, feel good, and make you want them mm-hmm. that are not God. People in the new age and into occult practices say a lot of the same things yeah. as some of the people in the Christian groups today. I mean, it's bizarre hearing them because you're like, oh, I know what that word means. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So many things that look innocent, like yoga, like meditation, can be super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Just because it looks pretty doesn't mean it's good. I don't know. I'll, I'll stop. I'll go on. <laughs> I'll go back. Just because it looks pretty doesn't mean it's good. Now, I'm not, I'm going to define some of the practices they use to open up to the spirits. And real quick, yes, I totally agree. The spiritual stuff is real. Like, I don't deny it. But where is it coming from? You know, like when I was talking to you, like we should, you know, filter through the word, you know, test everything because where is it coming from? Like you said, it can look pretty. So we should just be more careful in what we open ourselves up to, like what we are receiving into our homes. Like when it comes to like what books we read, what kind of beliefs we're believing without testing it through the word you know, but continue. So this isn't like, like, we also have to say there is not a demon behind every rock. Yes, This isn't something that, you you know, it's not a oogity boogity thing. It's a being mindful about what you are allowing into your heart and mind. Yeah. Allowing into your house, telling what you're, what you are um, showing is okay to the people around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we aren't supposed to look like the world and we're not supposed to act like them. Yeah. So we need to care about the things. And when we talk about, you know, demonizing and all that, um, yes, I totally believe it's real and it's something that we need to pay attention to and we need to um, be aware of. Yeah. But it's not something to be scared of. Exactly. Sorry know, if I came greater off like is that. God like we shouldn't be inside af- us. Yes should not be afraid of it i'm no, saying i think be it, mindful of I it i think it just is something that needs to be said because when we yeah. start talking about it a lot of people don't realize that like this isn't something we're scared of this yes. isn't something we're like oh no there's a demon behind it. if you have this symbol then that means that's not what we're saying mm-hmm. we're just saying we're, we need to um revere god and we need to care about the things that we are allowing in and yes. we need to be intentional because this is what's behind it. That's what we're saying. Yes. So when we look at the at what meditation is, mm-hmm. we see meditation that's not biblical is actually harder to define than biblical meditation. Mm-hmm. So every time meditation is talked about in the Bible, it talks about meditating on God's word. Um, I think this is the 1828 says meditation close or continued thought, the turning or revolving of a subject in the mind, serious contemplation. So, I mean, that right there is, it's not emptying your mind. It's not a word over and over. You're Mm -hmm. you're like thinking about and trying to 
figure out or understand or whatever a thought you know god's word is what it talks about in the bible but when we come to any kind of non-biblical explanation or definition it varies so much it's really hard to explain so some mean like taking a word and focusing on nothing but that word sometimes it's an object sometimes it's emptying emptying your mind of all thought which opens your mind up for, you know, demonization. They talked to you and they, um, they help to put thoughts into your mind. And I, we're not going to go into that. I don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) Um, So a mantra is a sacred utterance, a numinous sound, a syllable word or group of words believed by practitioners to have religious, magical, or spiritual powers. Some mantras have a syntactic structure and literal meaning, while others do not. I've seen so many people in Christian groups using this technique. God says we aren't to do as the pagans do and not to worship him how they worship their gods. So many say we need to take back practices like from new age and stuff like that. But if they're not in the Bible, if they weren't originally ours, they're not ours to take back. Like he's not going to just be okay with occultic practices and say, oh yeah, I'll I'll bless it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yantra are mystical diagrams that are used for the worship of deities in temples or at home as an aid in meditation, used for the benefits given by their supposed occultic powers based on Indian astrology and tantric texts, which is like a um, like a sacred text, mm-hmm. specific deities. Some call them spiritual patterns or sacred geometry, which you'll hear in the Christian community, especially among people who um, say they're Christians, practice yoga, mm-hmm. practice astrology, all that stuff, you know? Yeah. While God made geometry and pattern, you know, he did make that, to have them is not a problem, but to hold any weight on thinking they have power is a problem. Yeah. No thing in and of itself has power except God. God is the power or other. And God doesn't give his power to objects because we aren't supposed to worship anything but him. He is to be our only power source always, not other. Amen. We see this in the Christian so-called worship music, you know, quote unquote Christian. Yeah. 15 minute song with the same beat and the (laughs) same words being said over and over and over again, full of mantras. Yeah. It's like trance music. Yeah. It's totally hypnotic. Some people call it Christian meditation music, which I mean, that kind of says something in itself. Yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) We have 23 minute songs that are so repetitive it makes me think of when the bible says and when you're praying do not use meaningless repetition as the gentiles do Mm -hmm. there are all these things plastered through music depicted in churches schools our clothing tv shows movies kids t-shirts coloring books stickers and all this is symbolism it's everywhere Mm -hmm. the more i know the more i can't unsee And the more I understand how Satan has put his thumbprint on everything he can, 
I can literally find occultist symbols in probably everybody's house in America in one <laughs> place or another. Like even mine. I'm yeah. sure I could find it in anywhere. Yeah. Y- y'all think I'm joking, but I am totally not joking. Symbology is huge. And while it doesn't hold power to me, it's like having a little devil in disguise all over the place, mm-hmm. like little pictures of demons. I totally picture like the demonic world seeing these symbols, knowing what they are and laughing because Christians have them everywhere and they stand for demons, you know? Christians buy this pretty design that's actually representing a goddess or a god of some sort or another. Yeah. Then when Christians know what something means, so many still excuse it and say, well, I don't put any weight in that because that isn't what I meant. Yeah. I just like the picture. (laughs) Like you may not mean it the way that the world does, But when the world sees a Christian talking about karma and yoga and, you know, just all the different things, they see us as hypocrites. You know, they see us as weak Mm -hmm. when they see us with their symbols of goddesses and gods and they know what it means. So many times we can stumble those coming out of the deception. Yeah. I mean, you don't understand that if you have a symbol on and you know what it means and you know that it's not something right. You can literally be stumbling somebody coming out of deception and trying to figure out what being a Christian means, yes. you know, or even worse, they see us as condoning it and they see yeah. us go, oh yeah, it's our approval, you know? I mean, look at new age. So many of them say that they're Christians while embracing all of the other religious ideas and philosophies Yeah, to them, you're showing them they're right. You know, every yin yang sign and little Buddha sugar skulls even like every depiction of someone doing yoga and the all-seeing eye plastered everywhere it is it's anyone i mean you look at christian albums and you see people depicting the all-seeing eye on christian albums like everywhere people who i absolutely believe are christians yeah yeah anyone who knows me knows that i love skulls Mm -hmm. i i i love bones because i really like all the bones but school skulls are just really cool and they're fascinating. You know, the way God made us is amazing. Yeah. So I used to think sugar skulls were absolutely beautiful and I had them all over my house. I would wear clothes with them on it. I had them everywhere. And I, for the longest time, and like I knew about the day of the dead stuff, but I never really connected it. Like I didn't, I just was like, oh, it's a pretty skull, you know, with flowers on it, whatever. So I never connected it until a friend of mine said something about it. And I was talking about witches and how Christians shouldn't put witches up like for Halloween and stuff and dress their kids in witch costumes because it's making something dark and evil to be okay. It's like saying something evil is good. And witchcraft is absolutely a huge problem right now. It always has been, but it Mm -hmm. is growing really quickly. It is. And in the Bible, it says it's an abomination, you know? So she said, what about your sugar skulls? I was like, huh. (laughs) And after thinking about it, I was like, yeah, what's the difference with that? There really isn't one. So, you know, I stopped wearing them and I took the ones in my house down. And I'm not saying that for any other reason than... This is what we ought to do when God corrects us. And when we know that there's a problem, you know, man, I hope that I change when God tells me there's something wrong. 
Yeah. And which is like one of the main reasons we started this podcast to begin with. They're like, they're like I said before, there's many voices, not just ours talking about these things. So please know our hearts, man. Like we are not talking about this with hearts of stone trying to judge you to death. Um, my view on these things is that many people really don't know. And if they do know, they don't realize how much weight it holds when setting an example to the world. So having things in your house that you think is pretty is one thing, but we just want our listeners to understand that if an unbeliever walks into your home and sees that stuff everywhere, it might lead them to believe you agree with it. And we should care, yes. But I also don't think we should absolutely overthink every single little thing like what Leah was saying, like there's a demon under every rock. But I pray for God to convict your heart, whatever that may be, and if it's needed, and to give me discernment and you discernment and Leah discernment. And kind of like Leah's sugar schools, she had no idea until someone said something about it. And I was going to ask, like, was that me or is that someone else? I know exactly who it was. Okay, so it wasn't she wants me. me to say her name on No, here, don't say her name. My, okay. my closest friend other than you. You know okay. who it was. <laughs> okay. But not everyone is going. I remember you telling me about it, so I couldn't remember if it was me or not. But not everyone is going to know all the things, all the time. And, you know, I agree once you see something, you can't unsee it. So like when you notice it everywhere, it's because you just know and you're like, oh, and it kind of irks you, makes you kind of upset because you're like, I can't believe how sneaky all that stuff is. But we totally need to guard our hearts. But we can't let it steal our joy that we have in the Lord. He is so gracious and merciful as well, patient and kind. And we are his children. When we are seeking him, whatever it is, we will be convicted. So there are so many times I have been mad when someone has pointed something out to me, but usually because I knew what they were saying was true. Like that's happened to me so many times. I'm like, oh, they're so right. And I don't like it. Like, you know, I just, it would make me mad. But then when I think about it, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, maybe they're right. So please know our hearts. I have never had creepy stuff in my house before, but I definitely notice things elsewhere and I know that I've been convicted, maybe not of things in my house or, but, you know, I used to like, um, I remember even when we were coming out of this, I asked Leah about my salt lamp. I'm like, you know, like, is it okay for me to have a salt lamp? And then I remember Leah was like, well, didn't God make salt? Like, are you putting spiritual meaning into your salt lamp? But you know, something like a salt I said, lamp. do you think it's giving you power? Yeah. And I was like, no, but you know, some people might. Oh, well, some people might have to get rid of their salt lamps because for them it did in their mind before they came out of deception, it caused them to like think that a salt lamp was giving them power. So there's different convictions for different people. For a salt lamp, I just think it's pretty and I have it in my house, but it's also new agers. It's kind of like they take pretty things and they try and put power behind them when really it's something pretty, but then you still have to be careful with that. Cause if you have crystals all over your house, then a new rager, I mean, it's just so, but so just don't overwhelm yourself and just pray for God to guide you in that. Because, you know, like Leah said, we don't believe there's demons under every rock or anything, but you just have to be aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason that you asked if you were the one that said something was because uh, right after when I told you, man, I got super convicted because so-and-so said something and it made me realize that, you know, I totally shouldn't have sugar skulls everywhere. 
I totally took him down. And you're like, I was wondering why you had him up everywhere. It was super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you even had like those candles with you remember blood that? or something on them, didn't you? Like you had these candles with like blood on them, like fake blood. Like, I don't know. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I made candles. <laughs> I made them out of paper towel rolls. You did? <laughs> yes, I did. Well, because Kenny and I were totally into, yeah, we were totally into Halloween for like a really long time. Yeah. I so I had that. like all the, the creepy stuff up and, it, you know, God totally changed my heart. I mean, um, once I started really digging into the word and like seeing what all this was, it was like, you know, why would I even look like the world? Why would I put any of that up? That's just, it's, it's saying that something that's evil is good. It's, that's yeah. what it's doing. And I don't want to um, depict myself to look at me and say, wow, she's different. I want them to look at me and be like, you know, she loves the Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to guess. So um, we're supposed to look different than the world. You know, we're, we're supposed to know what God approves of and care if we're allowing things that dishonor him into our world and into our mind, you know, there are plenty of things that don't honor or dishonor him. And I'm not talking about that. It's, it's like the things that the Bible condemns, we ought to care about not promoting or allowing them in our lives or, you know, just out of respect and love to God. We don't need to be constantly worried about it. But we should care once it's brought to our attention and we should consider what we bring in and teach our children's acceptable. Like, you know, don't just keep going with it if you know that it's wrong. Like I've gotten rid of a lot of things like dream catchers and stuff like that for the same same reason. You know, it's the same with playing certain music. You know, when we play Bethel or Hillsong or Elevation music, we're condoning what they're teaching in their churches. We're funding their churches and we may be stumbling people who then think that it's okay and it's acceptable. And you know, the reason that I go to the same people in the same places over and over is because that is where I had my problems. That's where I was deceived, you know, and um, I'm, I talk about them because that's what I know and that's what stumbled me. So yeah. maybe, just maybe, you know, talking in these things we can help somebody else either come out of it or put a pebble in their shoe so that they can you know get irritated when they're walking and start looking into it kind of thing so that's I just want to say that's why we keep talking about the same stuff is because that's where exactly that's what started our podcast (laughs) it is exactly and just so you know those churches get royalties if you don't know what that is Every time you're streaming their music, if even if you don't buy the album, if you're playing it like on Spotify or Amazon Music, I mean, they're making money and you're funding those ministries. If you buy a CD, they get royalties. Even on the radio, radio stations playing their music, they get money for those radio stations playing their music. So all of that, when you play it in church, you're giving them royalties because yep. they claim it on their royalties. So even if you play those songs in church, they're getting money for that. And you'll notice that churches, sometimes they have like a number or something on it, but it's because it's like the royalty number or like 
you know, you stream music, you play it in church, you use it in anything, they get money for that. So that's one way that they get their ministries funded, which is why we speak out so openly against listening to them at all. Because even you're like, oh, I like it. I'm not playing it around anybody. Okay. But when you buy their stuff, you listen to it, stream it, YouTube, anything, anywhere, they get money for that. So because of that reason, um, I'm going to do a plug right now. Okay. okay. So for the very reason that you get money every time you listen to something, Rayleigh says that we need to have Herrick band playing all the time on all the devices yeah. on like Spotify or YouTube or something like that because she's like we need to give them money we love them oh yes oh <laughs> I my think God. it's so I cute I do like that yep too. so she even she understands yeah and we do that too for them it, like we listen to it but when we're not we just turn it on all the time to give them royalties which they're talking about. If you guys don't know who Herrick is, <laughs> you guys should totally check out Herrick. Yes. We I love Herrick at my house. Yes, same. I have other I hope you do. That'd be weird if you didn't. <laughs> 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 but they're they're really good though, too. Yes, they are. It's not just because I know them. Yeah, <laughs> it's because they are actually. But good. it's, I mean, it's totally true. Like, I don't expect everyone to know what every single symbol or song stands for. I do, however, expect believers to care what they're putting out there, Mm -hmm. what they're helping to fund, what they're saying to the world is okay. Like, if you know something's a problem, why would you continue? It makes me wonder how people view God if they're willing to compromise so readily. Yeah. We're supposed to hold his word as a treasure. You can't hold something in a high regard and... uh, allow others to poop all over it yeah you can't change it and say it's holy like you can't you just can't do that yeah not knowing is one thing but we're going to be judged for what we say and what we do and what we allow and I think we'll probably be judged harder for the things that we knowingly allow yeah like we know it's not good and we do it anyway like I agree with that because like I believe there are so many things that we should care about like some of the things I am super convicted about, you know, others just don't see it yet or don't know, like, you know, and same with me, like there's things that maybe I'm not convicted about yet that Leah could be convicted about. And, you know, and sometimes the best thing is to pray, but of course, like bring it up lovingly, I guess, but you know, it's just sometimes not everybody knows everything. And honestly, when we come here, I know for me, I'm trying to save people time going down rabbit holes, which is one of the things it's like saving other believers time and having to figure like this out down the road when some damage has already been done. And like things that you, sometimes it's so hard to like get out of that mindset of like the new age stuff that's like in the hyper charismatic movement. So it's like, I try and save people time, but you know, there's some things that, you know, I'm absolutely Yeah. And there's some things that I might not see yet. So I think that's why it's so important to have a solid church family and to be in the word. So we are all together holding a high regard of scripture and lovingly discussing these things openly. Like we shouldn't feel like we are walking on eggshells when something is clearly spelled out in the word. And like, we should listen to each other and respond in love in return and discuss things Instead of getting super offended and just like attacking everyone because you don't agree, you know, Um, 
that doesn't always happen, obviously, but like our relationship with the Lord is far more precious than what some false teacher says from the pulpit. We shouldn't like so readily defend someone we don't even know if someone who actually loves us comes to us with a concern. Like we should at least care enough. And I have to, you know, and I have looked into people before who friends have recommended and watched sermons with my Bible open. And sometimes I'm just so disappointed. And it's like that awkward moment when I, they send me a sermon, like this person's so good. And I do my own research and I read the Bible and what they're saying. And I'm like, Oh, this seems a little CRT or this seems a little bit, which is critical race theory, or this seems a little progress. Like this is sounds really progressive to me. And I go through what the scripture is saying and what they're um, talking about. And it's just out of context. And then is one of the reasons it's awkward. Like we're truthfully awkward because it is awkward. It shouldn't be, but it's awkward having to write to my friend saying, Hey, so do you want to discuss this with me? Like, this is some of the things that I'm concerned about, like when I was listening to this person. And I know I sound like a broken record to some people because people don't always want to hear it. They're like, oh, here she goes again is how I feel, but I can't help it. I'm like, I, I want you to see these things. So even if I'm annoying you, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to tell you like, hey, this is where I don't agree with it because this is what the Bible says here. But he's saying it says this, but in the full context, it says this. And this is why I have a problem with it. What do you think? You know, um, cause you know, I could be wrong sometimes, but most of the time, um, what people, cause I don't think people, um, look into pastors enough, which is another reason why we're, why we're here. I think that we should be looking into people on the internet more because we don't know them personally. And that's a big thing for me. It's like, I've, I, I know as a friend, and a sister in Christ, like I would, you know, I want to, I want my opinion to be valued above some stranger on the internet that posts a prophecy video or something who someone doesn't know personally, you know, just some guy posts a prophecy, a friend sends it to me. And then I say, well, this is yeah. where I disagree and not be attacked because I disagree with a prophet touch, not thou anointed, thy anointed or whatever that verse is that everyone just takes completely out of context. So I don't know. Those are my thoughts on that. Well, unfortunately, um, we humans, especially with, you know, the people that are closest to us, we see their flaws. And so it's easier when they say something we don't like to jump to that they're wrong or, yeah. you know, they're just being this, that or the other. Like, it's easier to um, not give them the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. than it is to just say, like, okay, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and look into it, as opposed to, like, the preachers, pastors, whatever online, you know, people, like, idolize them. They put them oh, up on yeah. a pedestal, and that's totally not how it should be. Yeah. You know, people need to be more diligent in checking out what they're saying. I mean, like you were saying, listening to sermons with your Bible open, you're supposed to do that. Yeah. That is something that I don't know why more people don't do that. If we did that more and we actually looked in context at the verses that these people are speaking, because all you have to do is push pause, yeah. you know, it's all you have to do. You pause it, you read the verse they're talking about and you go, oh yeah, that's totally the context or that's absolutely not the context, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that's totally as iron sharpens iron, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what we're here for. I totally agree that that's why fellowship's so important. 
Yeah. I heard a great analogy not too long ago. I look at God's holy standard and see pure, undefiled perfection. Mm-hmm. If you take that and touch poop to it, is it still pure, undefiled? Is it perfect? Like we aren't supposed to be stained by the world. Don't get the world's filth on you and wear it as a trophy. Yeah. I love that analogy. That's great. When I first started talking about yoga, I had someone tell me that, yes, yoga was made to be a Hindu practice, but what we do in the West is actually asanas, which is a set of postures. And they explained it well enough that they obviously went and looked it up. So they probably saw all the other things too, to which, yes, that is totally correct. But that's what they do in Hinduism. Like it's literally just part of the practice. As you saw earlier, they mention them as a part of the practice to awaken your kundalini and Mm -hmm. be liberated. In the yoga episode, I listed a large list of things that are reported when people have what they call the kundalini awakening. Yeah. Which can range from euphoria to psychosis. I listed them again because I wanted you to see that sometimes it makes you feel good. Sometimes your experience says divine when in fact it isn't. And sometimes we say something's good, like calling it the Holy Spirit, when it doesn't fit in the description God gave us for the Holy Spirit and the fruit that will come from an encounter with him. When yogis or gurus, Hindu or New Age, talk about this, they all say it can be really dangerous and open you up to all kinds of demonic spiritual stuff. They say it's like electricity flowing through you and you can't control it. Some say you feel like you aren't alone in your body anymore, and there's nothing that you can do to make it go away. Yeah. Some say the only way to make it stop is to call on the name of Jesus Christ, which is like really interesting to me because they aren't believers. Yeah. It's interesting too, because they say that's how you can get an alien abduction to stop by saying the name of Jesus. Yeah. You know? Which is, which literally every single time I get chills because the demons shudder, you know, when it says you believe that God is one, you do well, the demons also believe and shudder. So, and that is James 2.19. But it's just interesting because like, I've heard that too. Like there's times, I think, I don't know, when I was a kid, you know, the sleep paralysis, like that's happened to me before. And I remember trying to say Jesus's name and whenever I could get it out, it would stop. So it kind of makes me wonder if like I was stuff like that was happening, but who knows? I don't know because I was really young, but I remember that happening. And then James 4, 7 says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then Proverbs 18, 10 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. And Hebrews 2, 8 says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all the things, all things subjected to him. And again, that's so like when you were talking about sleep paralysis, I mean, you know, I believe that um, if I call on Jesus, he's going to come and help me. Yes, And, um, you know, it says that his name is the name above all names and that Um, everything is subject under his feet so you know it doesn't even have to be demonizing Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. it can just be a bad thing and Jesus can come and save you from it, you know, because he loves you. Yeah. So in the Bible, it talks about when one spirit is expelled, it goes and gets more to come back and the person is worse off than before. It's super dangerous to open yourself up. Like to do the things that call on demons is just boggling to me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't play with a Ouija board for the same reason I wouldn't do any of these practices. And I mean, you know, I was talking about um, we had Halloween stuff up everywhere every year. Yeah. And there was always a part of me, like I tried so hard to just really get into it and enjoy it. Cause like, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And um, there was a, always a part that was like, man, this, I didn't enjoy it and mm-hmm. didn't matter what I did. It just sucked. Same. And um, it's like somebody tried to give me a Ouija board for my birthday one and literally opened it, saw the word and like creepily like handed it back to him and said, no, thank you. Thank you for getting me a present, but I don't want it. Can you go yeah. put it in your car now? <laughs> like, I don't even want it in my house right now. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> Some people say that the Kundalini is simply the energy of your soul. But in the roots, it is said to be a goddess energy. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that they talk so much about goddesses and that in the yeah. world today, people are more and more talking about like mama God or like the shack making God into a woman. It's like, it's just like a mockery. Yeah. Like they're mocking God by doing these things. God came in the form of a man. His pronouns are always, always yes. masculine in the Bible. Well, I understand understand god doesn't have a gender he is spirit i totally get that this is how he showed himself so why would we feel it be okay to change that god looks at people and sees humans he doesn't love man over woman he doesn't hold the man as more valuable than the woman but there are some differences in our roles and i think that's important like women aren't to be the head of the man it goes god man woman it spells it out pretty clearly And I don't think we should try and change it. I am not a feminist. I don't believe in feminism. I am not for womanizing everything. It's bizarre. It is. And And it goes back to the culture today, trying to flip the script by making women more powerful than men and trying to make men women and women men. And again, it is so obvious what is happening. It's like nothing new. It's just for the first time in our wicked generation, seeing the same old deception out in the open, you know? Yeah. Yep. I think in America, we've been so sheltered for so long against some of these things because we were built on Christian values and, you know, in God, we trust is that's what we were built on. But so quickly, our values are being dismantled and we're seeing that it, what it means to call good evil and evil good on a staggering level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's happening so fast in new age style Kundalini. They see it as apart from your ego self as your soul, your essence, your God inside you. But in Hinduism, it's an awakening, uh, an awakening of an external energy, a goddess that's awakened and brought in. It's interesting because when I listen to people talk about their Kundalini awakenings, no matter who's talking, it always sounds like possession. Yeah. Even the people who say it's like already in you, you just awaken it. When they describe it, it always sounds like an external force taking over. Mm -hmm. I had someone ask me how someone else was doing. And I said, fine, why? 
They said, because they severed their kundalini and I was wondering if they suffered greatly from it. And I was like, where, where did you get that? Why would you say that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just so happens that the person had had some crazy stuff going on right around that time, but not saying, I'm not putting weight in it. I'm just saying it was just bizarre. Some of the things that people are believing, doing, taking part in you know yeah and it's crazy because you know people firsthand who have had that so I mean it's probably nuts like seeing it firsthand because I mean I can like research it but like to see someone firsthand I have family and friends who are dabbling in it but they won't admit that this is what it is you know and so probably don't realize exactly what it is yeah well even if I talk about it it's the eye rolls like oh it's just you you know and so it's like well if you don't listen to me I am going to try and help other people who will (laughs) because you know it's just I hope somebody else gets through to them maybe I'm just not the person to do that who knows but like I mentioned before the whole losing control or just letting it happen it sounds very much like demonic possession like what you're talking about that's just their worldview though that it's already inside of you How else would the enemy get people to open themselves up like that? Like, how else would the enemy be like, okay, well, I really want to get this demon inside you, or I really want to oppress you because, you know, he's evil. So how let's make up a worldview or, you know, Kundalini, whatever, put a name on it, Kundalini, and I'm going to get all these people to open themselves up. So they're oppressed, you know, and then we're going to call it good because evil's good, right? Well, and I don't think most of them are looking to be demonized. Like, no. you know, what the kids in the Bible, they they weren't asking to be demonized. You exactly. know, you had mm-hmm. people coming and saying, Jesus, you know, get this unclean spirit out of my child. That's where does the line at is, is a good question as yeah. to um, opening yourself up. You know, I don't know um, what causes it or what Mm -hmm. allows it or any of that I just know that uh in order I know it's it's real and that the experience is real and that the spiritual aspect is real and that's what we're warring against and not enough people are willing to talk about it in a matter-of-fact way and they either go completely one way and they freak out and there's a demon under every rock and you have to bind and loosen and whatever you know all over the place put hedges of protection up and all of that right or there's the people who don't want to talk about it at all yeah and truthfully I understand why they don't want to talk about it it's Mm -hmm. not a fun subject to talk about exactly and it's a it's a very touchy subject you know as to where that line is and what should be or could be allowed and to not freak people out because that's not the point it's not you know the point isn't to be scared of everything to know what is you know to be aware of it like and yeah I hope I'm not coming off as like trying to freak people out like I just want you all to know I'm not trying to scare you I'm just like I'm very much of a person like well that's what it is right like that's what it is but then I have to word myself like word things carefully because I'm not trying to freak people out I'm just trying to be like this stuff, like Leah said, is real and we should pay attention to these things that are real and know the word to know what is biblical and what is not. I guess that's my point. 
what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit and what are the fruits of darkness? Because, you know, it's, that's in the Bible too. What is the fruits of the flesh? You know, and I think you go into that, but that's just my point is like, we should just know the difference. Yeah, totally. So not be so trusting of every preacher we hear from different churches on the internet that we don't know personally. And because, you know, the internet is just, you could be listening to anything now, you know, it's not like before. So you just have to be extra careful. We always should be careful even before, but now it's like, yeah, even more so, you know? Well, and like, not to say like, you're going to get demonized if you look at a Ouija board, but I mean, why would you even want to put yourself into a position that is calling on a demon? You know, why would you want to do a practice that that's what it was made for? That's, that's like the whole point is, um, it's not, oh no, it's, uh, you know, how much do you love the Lord? Like, do you love him enough to stop doing these things that are calling on demons or you know, or not wear that thing that is a symbol of a demon. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. So as a Christian looking at it, either way, it's not of God. Because God who showed himself in the male pronoun is external and not equal to us. In no place in the Bible does God take the form of a serpent. And we cannot awaken him because he doesn't sleep. We can bow to the God of all creation and submit to him, but we can't awaken him within ourselves. Though if we are born again believer, you are in dealt, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're describing though, you know, this is why we can look at the fruit and say, what is the fruit of the spirit? In the Christian church, people are displaying what they're saying is Holy Spirit. It's weird because among these groups, they generally say Holy Spirit and not the Holy Spirit. I know that sounds like a small picking at point, but it's among certain groups and they all tend to do that. Yeah. It's always Holy Spirit and not the Holy Spirit. And it's, yeah, it's only like certain groups, like the hyper charismatics say Holy Spirit told me things like that. Yeah. Or NAR does that too. Yeah. NAR. Yeah. But these same people say they're anointed, like some of them practicing things like grave soaking, which they say when someone with a mantle or an anointing dies, their anointing is still on them. And you can go to their grave and soak up their anointing. And there was like this big thing where um, people were saying that, you know, Bethel was promoting it and people were saying, oh, Bethel doesn't promote it. Bill Johnson came out and said, don't do it. But I mean, there's like videos of his wife. Mm-hmm. doing it and talking about it there's like all these videos of him with other people at um graves and they're touching it and you can tell it i mean you know just if you if you don't want people to think that you're promoting that stop doing it i know, <laughs> you know? exactly because don't promoting go it, it man yeah like, don't go lay on graves <laughs> like why would you do that i know And what's really frustrating is how people give themselves these special anointings. I'm not saying not everybody, you know, like, okay, let me just go on. If you remember when you were, you know, I don't know if you remember, but when we were following Todd White and Bethel, I remember always talking about how, man, I want a faith like that. And I could never get to, you know, air quotes, their level, you know, like what you were talking about. And it was all works based, you know, because like buy my book and learn how to make money 
you know, let's just be honest, read my book or take my course so you can get your anointing. I mean, come on, come to my school and learn how to be a prophet. Like what in the world, you guys, or those who say we can be Christ since Christ was a man, you know? Yeah. But also, also you have to think of, uh, the same people pay to be apostles. There's like a ton, you, they pay a ton of money to be said to be an apostle. Like, how does that work? I didn't see Paul paying to be an apostle. Matthew 24, 23 to 26 says, then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe him for false Christ's and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. So as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. That's interesting to me that they say they're anointed and that they're soaking up an anointing because the word Christ means Christ the anointed. And appellation given to the savior of the world and synonymous with the hebrew messiah it was a custom of antiquity to consecrate persons to be sacerdotal and regal offices by anointing them with oil so like many of these people act like the power is theirs they puff themselves up and try to raise the dead and heal the sick saying because they are anointed they can Like so many of them are practicing things that are called an abomination in the Bible. Tarot cards with a different name on them is a form of divination. The prophetic cards, which is what a lot of them are calling it. Prophetic pictures, prophetic clothing, prophetic jewelry. I mean, it's bizarre. They're fortune tellers and bad ones at that. They take the glory for themselves and speak as if they have a spirit to impart on others. Yeah. So many prophetic words that turn out to be false, but no one rebukes them and turn turns away. They just excuse it and keep listening to these people. And they try and say, you know, well, it's not the same level as the Bible. Mm-hmm. Divination means to foretell the act of divining, of foretelling future events or discovering things secret or obscure by the aid of superior beings or by other than human means. Artificial divination was affected by certain ri- certain rites, experiments, or observations, as by sacrifices, cakes, flour, wine, observation of entrails, flight of birds, lots, verses, omens, position of the stars, and etc. It also says prediction. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You see these people coming out of the charismatic churches who are using numerology tarot cards forms of the ouija board astrology and like all kinds of occult practices saying it's okay because they say the name of jesus Mm. but that's not how it works jesus doesn't bless occult practices and he isn't going to help you have power to divine Mm -hmm. i mean how is what you were what they're doing like any different yeah you know than the the pagans when they do it how is it different just because you say jesus They say it's the source you're calling on, but we already know that different Christs and Jesuses and Gospels will be out there. Mm -hmm. So how is saying a name any different, especially when what they say about Jesus doesn't line up with what he says about himself? 
I mean, I know multiple Jessies and they're not the same people. Mm-hmm. And what is really the most heartbreaking is just how feeble-minded I see these poor people as. And I'm not saying that as an insult. It's just, it seems so just feeble, just like manipulated minds. Like they're just easily manipulated. And I think many believers are sleeping right now. I believe that the reason many people are starting to speak up about this stuff is because it has literally been so blatantly open and no longer in the shadows that it's just obvious. So, you know, we have to care. And Ephesians 5, 11 through 14 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When I read that, I'm always like, man, like, we need to wake up as Christians. You know, we need to come back to Christ. We need to come back to the word. And we must represent Christ and stop riding on the fence with the world. We are not going to blend in here on earth. It's just not going to happen. And it won't be easy because the culture is going to push back because this is, in fact, a wicked generation, just like all the other. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of wicked generations, but it's just more open to us now. And we'll lose friends and other relationships standing on the truth of God's word. And it is sad, but Christ is more important and we should be loving in all that we do, including being truthful with one another. And all of these things are, you know, all these things we are speaking about is to make you aware and to hopefully spark interest in you to look for yourself. And that is why we heavily cite our podcasts as much as we can. So you can have a starting point and to even check us, like filter us through the word. (laughs) We want you to even test us against the word. So if you don't believe us, look for yourself. This Kundalini stuff is real. The other spirits in the church are real. The dark side, you know, quote, dark side of spiritual experience is real. Um, I'm not doubting that anybody doesn't have experiences. Like when people have these experiences, I don't doubt that they aren't real, but we need to care enough to test these things through the word and know where they're coming from instead of just being like, oh, it's fine. They said Jesus. It's okay. Absolutely. Like totally. I mean, when you were talking about losing friends and stuff, that's why Jesus said to count the cost. Mm-hmm. You know, he, the whole thing is you're going to become a Christian. You got to count the cost because if you're going to live for him, you're going to look different. You're going to act different and you're going to lose people. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to divide us. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he came to um, divide unbelievers from believers. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. Mm-hmm. You become different and changed. and um, you just, you lose people and it sucks, Mm -hmm. but hopefully we can speak to them and love on them enough that they see God in us and they want it. You know, I have to say a true experience doesn't make it from God, as you know, like you were just saying, you know, like you said, the dark side of the spiritual experience is real. And we need to remember that that's what we were against. It's not the people. It is the spiritual side. I see so many people who say the Kundalini, the Kundalini, But the more I look, the more I just see unclean spirits. You can call it what you want, but the only thing I know is what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. We're supposed to be able to judge according to what we know, and scripture is what we're supposed to look at for guidance. The Holy Spirit manifests in nine ways in the Bible. 
not limiting him, just showing you how he presents himself. First Corinthians 12, four through 11 says, now, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, and another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Yeah, one of the things that totally stuck out to me, it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Yeah. How is the things that we are seeing in the church, the way that what they say Holy Spirit is um, manifesting, how yeah. is that for the common good? What good does that do other than make them look demon possessed mm -hmm. and crazy? Yeah. But it says, by this we see there are amazing gifts that he gives us, but mm -hmm. he gives them to whom he pleases when he pleases. And it isn't every gift for every person nor is it learned or bought. Yeah. In the Bible, it describes the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5, to 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So mm the flesh, -hmm. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this scripture is so eye-opening to me every time I read it. Like, don't you love how the Lord is so gracious to show us what to look for and how to know? Like, how awesome is God? Like, there is no guesswork. And I just, it really frustrates me too sometimes because you see these people manifest, you know, manifesting drunkenness when they're slain in the Holy Spirit, drunkenness, barking like dogs, which is like not self-control, but yep. even just like different things like impurity, sensuality, like how many times have you seen some of these manifestations in the church that are just like exactly what you just described as the fruits of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Like we just got to be aware of that, like to be able to recognize things like, oh, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, this is our plumb line. This is our ruler. This is what we put things against, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you look between the verses, it's a dichotomy, the difference between the two spirits. If we're either a child of God or a child of the devil, we can see the fruit that will come from either one. I mean, we are born a child of the devil. So until you are born again, you are a child of Satan. That's, that's what the flesh lo looks like, you know? 
the Bible also says that Satan and his minions come as angels of light. So like, what would that look like? Second Corinthians 11, three to four says, but I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. I love that it says your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion Christ. Yes. This verse shows that our plumb line is the Bible. Yeah. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, that means they were already doing that. Mm-hmm. That was a problem then, and it's still a problem now. Or receive a different spirit means there was a different spirit visible in the church then, and also a different gospel. Yeah. But it says you bear this beautifully. Like people were excusing it and putting up with it. Like the amplified version, which says second Corinthians 11, four, for you seem willing to allow it. If one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you tolerate all this beautifully welcoming the deception. And I also like how sometimes the Amplified Bible simplifies things. <laughs> like I'll read it in different translations and I'll be like, I'm going to look at the Amplified to spell it out for me. Um, Cause it, if like, I'm not truly grasping it, it's like, okay, like I need to like have this spelled out. And one thing I want to end on for this part, one of our two part series is that this is not a time to stand down. Like when we look to the word, it is so clear what is going on. I just, I just read through scripture as I am sure you all do. I just read through scripture as I am sure you all do. And I'm just dumbfounded by a lot of what I see before my eyes. And here's another amplified version of second Timothy four, two through three. And we will end with this first, unless you have something else to add Leah, <laughs> but second Timothy four, two through three, and this is amplified. It says, preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right, and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Correct those who err in doctrine or behavior. Warn those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold. That is so prevalent in the church today, man. It's super scary. Yeah. And this has been the same thing since even when the apostles were still walking the earth, you you know, it's, we can't give in to these teachings and, you know, experiences, you know, quote experiences. This is a real, this is real spiritual warfare. And we have to care enough to raise the bar, to know more of God's word, to practice discernment and to know what is good according to God's word. Like God cares about all, you know, all the things we do in our lives. You know, he is our creator. So he cares about all of those things. Amen to that. Jesse, can you pray for us? Yes, I will. (laughs) Or as you say, I can do that. (laughs) Are you making fun of me now? No, I'm not. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you 
Give us the wisdom to discern what is good in your sight, that you would fill our hearts with your joy and peace in a world that is lacking, that you would encourage us with your word and lead us through the Holy Spirit to have the courage to address things in our own lives that bring dishonor to you. I pray that those listening will be edified and lifted up to know that you, Lord, are God. You bring the morning and you created all things. You are sovereign. You are holy. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship and glorify your holy name and we love you so much, Lord. Give us the desire to know you, to seek you in all things in every aspect of our lives. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.